The consequences of this primary are immense. When Texas voters go to the polls on Super Tuesday, they'll see races for the Republican presidential nomination, the Democratic nomination for U.S. Senate, and voters in one part of the state will even make a decision that could have long-lasting impacts on Texas politics. Talking with people from the district, I think there is a real possibility that David Covey wins that primary and takes out the sitting Speaker of the House. And if he does do that, I think the entire landscape of Texas politics changes. The primary election on March 5th leaves voters with decisions to make up and down the ballot. I'm Chris Blake, and this week on Texas Wants to Know, I spoke to representatives from both state parties, Matt Rinaldi, the chair of the Texas GOP, and Monique Alcala, the executive director of the state's Democratic Party, to find out what Texas voters need to know ahead of Super Tuesday. If you're not an avid follower of politics, let's catch up at the top of the March ballot, the race to determine who will oppose President Joe Biden in November. The field is down to just two, former President Donald Trump and former U.N. Ambassador and South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. She's raising a lot of money. She had big names backing her. So she's going to come here and fight. That's Kimmy King. She's a political science professor at the University of North Texas in Denton. And everything hinges on Super Tuesday, but it doesn't matter what state you look in across the country, even her own. Haley is down by 20 points. So it's not clear that Super Tuesday makes a difference. She says one of the only viable paths for Haley is for Democrats to turn out and vote for her. One of the interesting things about our Texas primary system is that we have a relatively open primary, meaning that you can declare the day you show up to vote which party you're going to be in. And so in a number of states, there's a possibility that Haley may capture those moderate, more conservative Democrats. Trump has won all five Republican primaries so far, including in South Carolina, where Haley served as governor. In a February poll by the Texas Politics Project, Trump led Haley by 71 points, 80 to 9 in the primary. He also led Biden 48 to 41 percent in a theoretical general election. While the race for the Republican presidential nomination may have the biggest names on the ballot, the contest with the potential for the biggest impact in Texas may be happening in Beaumont. Well, us at the state party, we have a policy and, and a rule that prevents the party from taking official positions in primaries unless somebody's censured. That's Rinaldi, the chair of the Texas Republican Party. However, we have censured uh, the Speaker of the House th this past Saturday at our quarterly meeting. Dade Phelan is the Speaker of the Texas House. He was censured by his party on February 10th. He's represented Texas's 21st legislative district since 2015 and was elected speaker in 2021. At least that race, you will see the party taking a position in. Other than that, we generally stay out of it. However, certainly the Paxton impeachment vote, school choice, and the closeness of a candidate to Dade Phelan, who has appointed Democrats to powerful committee chairmanships and has otherwise empowered those Democrats in the way that the House was run, is going to have a significant impact on Republican voters, I think, in this primary. Phelan and Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick had public disagreements over policy issues in the 2023 session and again during the impeachment trial of Attorney General Ken Paxton. Trump has even gotten involved. He endorsed Phelan's primary challenger, David Covey. Can the speaker survive this primary? I don't know. Kevin McCarthy didn't survive. 
right? I think that at this point, it's not sure anyone survives. We're in a kind of political era in which there is a strong will about what the party is being led by and what actions get taken. And remember that in primaries, this is where your party faithful show up. This is where you're energized and mobilized are. And on the right, what Governor Abbott and Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick and Attorney General all have is a well-organized machine. Texas is really unique because we elect all the top people. So this isn't like these are all Governor Abbott's people. These are all people who got elected by people. And so every politician has those folks that they can put pressure on. And so I think that's why many think that Phelan will not survive. Would that worry state Democrats if there were to be a more conservative Speaker of the House than Phelan? Phelan is is traditionally conservative, I would argue. Um, the thing that I think that all of these Republicans are trying to get is somebody that's even more extreme on, on some of these issues. That's Alcala. She's the executive director of the Texas Democratic Party. I mean, it's it's good for them because they make the, you know, they make the headlines. They do some of these egregious things and people pay attention to that. And it, I guess it helps them fundraise. But, you know, I think that what's important to us in the state is that we are getting people elected to office that are thinking about what are the issues that everyday Texans are facing and how can we make their lives better? Phelan is not the only member of the state house facing a primary challenger. A lot of the Republicans who either didn't vote for school choice or voted for the impeachment of Attorney General Ken Paxton are also facing primary challenges. Can you remember seeing a time in either party where this many incumbents were being challenged by people who had the backing of you know, the top people in their state party? Never. We are truly living in unprecedented times. No, the fact of the matter is that it is so across the board. And again, the playbook was taken at the federal level for the impeachment process and the way in which the impeachment process went down and how those folks that were not on the side of it, uh, of President Trump, then ultimately were pushed out of Congress. And you are seeing the exact same play being played out right here. Rinaldi says the primary challenges are a response to what voters want. I see the main differences in primaries coming down, not to differences on issues like the border, um, like wokeism at schools and, and pro-life issues. I see it as a difference of willingness to fight for those issues when it's unpopular with the donors, the lobbyists, and the governing establishment in D.C. And it comes down to who people perceive are able and willing to resist those pressures once they're in office. And I think that that's what you see a lot happening right now in some of the most hotly contested primaries. Aside from the Paxton impeachment vote, one of the other issues that divided Republicans in 2023 was Abbott's push for school choice. The plan would give families state money to send their children to schools other than the state's public schools. The governor called four special sessions in an effort to get something passed, and it never did. The final attempt came in November when school choice was part of a larger education funding bill. House members voted 84 to 63 to strip the measure from the bill, with 21 Republicans joining all 63 Democrats. 
there's kind of this coalition of Democrats and Republicans from rural parts of the state that have kept Governor Abbott's school choice measure from getting through the House. Mm-hmm. A lot of those rural Republicans are being targeted in primaries. Are there concerns that they could be primaried and ultimately, you know, those Republicans who would be for school choice would mm-hmm. have the majority in the House? I have a lot of respect for these Republicans for standing up for what they know their constituents want. And at the end of the day, our finance laws allow for um, for there to be unlimited amounts of money being poured into these elections from outside groups. A lot of them are for for these vouchers. Um, but we don't think that it's something that some of these Republican represented districts want. But, you know, at the end of the day, the, the voters will decide. Depending on how the state house races shake out, Rinaldi and King both acknowledge it could change Texas politics dramatically. I think you have to look at the House primaries as a group, because if there is a significant number of committee chairs and individuals close to Dade Phelan that do get beat, I think that sends a message in itself. So those races will define what the political landscape looks like going forward. And as, I, as we all know, people react to political incentives and, and the political landscape. So I think it'll change policy going forward as well and how the House is run and how Texas politics is run. I think one of the things that's interesting that we're not talking about any of this stuff is the extent to which all of this acrimony is leading to changes in leadership and a loss of the folks that don't align. When you start to see those kinds of divisions and people being pushed out, there's usually a wave in that solidifies power. And so you will most likely see the partisan divisions, If you, unless you get incredible turnout and it doesn't look anybody's mobilized, we'll see what happens. You won't see changes. You will see the solidification of party instead of having a two thirds majority, you will have a 75 percent, 80 percent majority. King says there's a state house race on the Democratic side she's keeping an eye on, too. That's in Texas Legislative District 146 on the southwest side of Houston. It's a seat currently held by Democrat Sean Theory. She came out with Republicans uh, against all the transgender bills, any of the issues regarding LGBTQ, all of that. And so as a result, the Democrats have kind of allied against her, but there are two challengers and she was very straight up about it. She makes the point that be careful, Democrats, you will be out of touch with conservative black Christian voters, and those are not our values. King says she expects the challenger, labor organizer Lauren Simmons, to defeat theory in the primary. Simmons was endorsed by the Houston Chronicle's editorial board and has the backing of several incumbent Texas Democrats, former state senator Wendy Davis and Beto O'Rourke. She's done a lot of organizing. She's got progressive groups. And most importantly, she had Democratic Party money behind her. This race, this primary is all about, like they all are, show me the money. After the break, we'll move on to Congress and take a look at the Democratic primary for the U.S. Senate seat in Texas. That'll be for the right to face Republican Senator Ted Cruz in November. We've covered the Republican presidential primary race between Donald Trump and Nikki Haley and taken a look at some of the changes that could come to the Texas House. Now let's turn our attention to Congress. 
Ted Cruz is up for re-election for the first time since 2018 when he narrowly beat Beto O'Rourke. But his support seems to have solidified among the Republicans looking at polling going into this primary. So what has he done in the last six years that has kind of solidified that support? You know, it's interesting. Cruz is fascinating because even going back to when he first came into the Congress in 2012, he kind of angered a lot of people with the government shutdown back then. And then again, he rehabilitated himself. And then he had challenges. You know, he flew to Mexico in the freeze and all these other kinds of things. Cruz comes through these things very well. But ultimately, the reason why Senator Cruz is doing so well is because he adopted if you can't beat him, join him. I think he's been a solid voice and a solid vote that Republicans could count on. Um, and he's been a fighter. And I think that's what Republicans are looking for right now in their primary elections. They're seeing in America that is changing very rapidly and changing into something that doesn't resemble the America they grew up in. And they're seeing that being driven by the left. And they want to elect Republicans that will significantly and effectively push back against that. Uh, and I think Ted Cruz represents, you know, something pretty close to the ideal of what we're looking at to do so. So I think that's why you've seen his approval ratings increase, because he's he's really grown into what Republican primary voters are looking for in 2024. Ten Democrats are running to oppose Cruz, including Congressman Colin Allred of Dallas and State Representative Roland Gutierrez of San Antonio. In a February poll by the Hobby School of Public Affairs at the University of Houston, Colin Allred and Roland Gutierrez were the only candidates polling in double figures in that race. What are the strengths of Allred and Gutierrez as candidates? I think that the best thing about our Democratic Party and including these two amazing candidates is that they they stand for things and they stand for things that are really important to our party. Uh, We're really lucky to have such strong candidates like Colin and and Roland that are running. You know, Colin was a civil rights attorney and Roland has obviously been one of the most vocal advocates on um, reforming our gun laws here in Texas. So. Yeah, I think that we're we're really lucky here in Texas to have both of them running for the top of the ticket spot. Do you think Allred will be able to avoid a runoff? To avoid a runoff, by the way, a candidate has to receive more than 50 percent of the vote. You know, that's going to be really curious. I think, you know, what I started talking about is I'm really curious to what extent moderate and unhappy Democrats cross party lines in this state. So if you don't have a turnout because, you know, you can't vote in both the primaries, you have to choose one when you walk up. And interestingly enough, the state's rules say that if you don't vote in a primary, you can vote in any runoff. It's just when you vote in a primary, then you're prohibited from running in the other party's primary. Naturally, our next step is already seat in Congress, Texas's 32nd district. It's another crowded field that includes State Representative Julie Johnson, who has represented her northern Dallas County district since 2015, and trauma surgeon Brian Williams, who has worked with lawmakers on gun legislation in the past. What are kind of some of the qualities that you're looking for in the candidate who comes out of that race? As a voter in Texas, I would say, you know, myself, I think that one of the things that everybody looks for is just authenticity. Voters want to know what 
a candidate stands for and not only what they stand for, but why are they running and why are they the why are they the best person to to hold that seat? So so yeah, we have an incredible slate of people that are running for that seat. And like you mentioned, both state rep Julie Johnson would be the first LGBTQ person to be in that seat. And then Brian Williams um, has an incredible track record that that we know that we we'd be very lucky to have any one of the folks that are that are running for that seat. One of the high-profile retirements in the House is the third longest-serving member of the Texas delegation, Representative Kay Granger of Fort Worth, who was first elected in November 1996. Kay Granger is retiring after nearly three decades in Congress. How big of a loss is that for the Texas delegation to lose a member who was the chair of the Appropriations Committee? It's a huge loss. And I think you have to put it into context to the record number of solid Republicans that we've seen over the years that have steadily been coming since the 2020 election. I mean, certainly to insider people, it is uh, it is a big loss in that the Appropriations Committee chair was from Texas. So that's a big deal, certainly. Seniority from the Texas delegation. But, you know, where there's loss, there's always opportunity as well. And voters now have the chance to 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 put another fighter in Congress, somebody who will hopefully work to change Washington, to change how D.C. operates and hopefully put a fighter in that will push back against uh, Democrat policies from the Biden administration. There are five candidates running to earn the Republican nomination in Texas's 12th congressional district, including State Representative Craig Goldman, who is backed by Fort Worth Mayor Maddie Parker and business owner John O'Shea, who is supported by Paxton. There's a crowded field to replace Granger, including state rep Craig Goldman. But what kind of attributes would you like to see in the candidate who emerges from this primary? I'd like to see someone who is principled, who has fought with the grassroots before and isn't looking for a position, is looking to actually serve people and, and do good. I'd like to see somebody who has shown a record of being independent and standing up for their principles, even when they were under a lot of pressure not to do so. I think I look for that in any candidate. While we often get caught up in the horse race nature of the candidates, there are still issues that matter to voters. Alcala says she thinks the Democratic Party has evolved in the way it talks about one issue that's made headlines in the last two years. I think abortion here in Texas has always been something that people are not comfortable talking about. Yeah, as the first woman of color to be in this role at TDP, um, I'll say, you know, one, it it disproportionately impacts women of color. And it working here in Texas and then also in many other states throughout my career, I've seen how um, how people have run away from the issue. And I do see that particularly here in Texas. I think the Democratic caucus votes the right way, but I think that their willingness to talk about the issue has been a lot more difficult. And so what we're seeing now is people do care about the issue and people are talking about it in a way that is meaningful. And it's meaningful and they're talking about it in ways that are meaningful to their voters. Once we get past the primaries and the focus turns toward the general election, what are some of the key issues you think will be on the table between both sides? So abortion, certainly top of mind uh, for us here in in Texas, is something that we want to make sure that people 
do have the freedom to make their own decisions. The other things that I know um, that we've been hearing about, and I certainly hear about whenever I'm talking to people on the ground, is um, is the border immigration reform. I think there's a lot of a lot of fear mongering around that. I think we saw that with some of the coverage um, with, at the border with this what we thought looked like, you know, just sort of like a performative movie scene that was constructed by the Republicans. So that's certainly going to be top of mind. And then gun violence, certainly something that we have seen just this week. Again, um, there was another another incident. And of course, economic issues. You know, the thing that I think that we tend to think about whenever we talk about economic issues is like how many jobs are available? Are they good quality jobs? But we also need to talk about when it comes to the economy, what are the other things that contribute to a thriving economy, which is access to, to fully funded schools? You know, um, being able to go to your job and not feel as though you've been discriminated against for for just who you are. We're going to be leaning into solving the border disaster that's currently taking place and ensuring that we fight crime in our cities and outside of our cities as well. A focus on crime prevention, on a strong border, uh, on fiscal responsibility, and on ensuring the integrity of our elections. One of the things that will be interesting in this election, usually it's the economy, stupid. We say, how's the economy doing? But Biden's kind of doing a whole lot better on that. Like, why isn't he taking that one down? But the border issues become such a problem. And the failure of the Democrats to address it, I mean, has just been problematic. And what's striking is that the impeachment of Mayorkas shows the catastrophe that the Republicans have of being able to command any kind of unity. And then George Santos's seat just flipped, right? So everything is up in the air in Texas and American politics, except I can tell you right now, the election of 2024, and because this is the primary, you got to remember it's the baby where it all begins. It's going to be like nothing this country has ever seen like nothing we have ever seen. I'm Chris Blake at News Radio 1080 KRLD in Dallas, Fort Worth. Thanks for joining me for Texas Wants to Know. If you like the show, please give us a rating and a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Stick with KRLD on Super Tuesday for full coverage of the primary elections. I wrote, produced, and edited this episode with editorial support from Cooper Mall and original music by Michael Eisenstein. Odyssey's managing producer for national news podcasts is Myron Kaplan.